this is Network Zero with another uh, Frequency Shift episode, and we're going to continue looking at our favorite little um, horror nightmare board game, which is Kingdom Death, and I am joined again by James. Hello. Hi there. Um, so, James, we've uh, game-wise, I mean, I mentioned on the most recent Darker Days, which is out... Um, I finished playing um, in a War Machine Hordes Journeyman league, uh, league, which has been great fun. I did quite well in that. Um, what game have you been up to? Mostly, uh, mostly I've been playing Kingdom Death, in fact. Um, Excellent. <laughs> which is convenient. But I've also been uh, I've also been playing through Resident Evil Revelations 2. Okay. Which is kind of, it's kind of old now, but I do have a bit, like... The more recent Resident Evils, I've got a little bit of a soft spot for them. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, I we do have Sam's uh, PS2, um, yeah, lying around. And I think at some point I really need to play through um, Resident Evil, uh, the um, Resident Evil 2, because it's a great game. I think I just need to find the control pad. And like, no, actually, what I really need is a memory a memory card for it, <laughs> um, which is actually are really hard to find these days. Um, it's even though I download it on the Xbox. Um, yeah, otherwise, yeah, I've been playing some Kingdom Death because since um, I finished painting the Dragon King, I delved back in because I want to at least fit in uh, a hunt against it. Um, so I've got like two more hunt event, uh, two more hunts before the uh, end game boss of Kingdom Death. So I've really got to cram in some. Uh, try and try and just use the Dragon King as kind of a nice like prelude to him being my master of my next campaign. Um, and of course, we're going to the UK Games Expo um, next week. I might have this edited up by then, but if not, anyway, we're going there. Um, there's quite a few things we're going to look forward to seeing, like the Dark Souls board game, um, uh, Drop Week Commander, there is Dark Deeds, we'll get to see uh, me and Chapter 2, Andy Chambers. Uh, I believe also some of the guys from Beasts of War are going along, so we can talk to them uh, about you know what they do, because we've had some articles posted by them. Um, and we can chat to hopefully Dave Brookshaw is going to be there, who is the developer for Mage uh, The Awakening. Oh. Yeah. Um, he, he's a big fan of uh, Drop Fleet Commander, so yeah, we can talk about all manner of things. So um, let's actually move on to, you know, hunting things and killing things. Um, so we're going to look at the White Lion, which is perhaps, of all the creatures in Kingdom Death, the one that you're you more than likely hunt the most because it is um, relatively e relatively an easy challenge at all at all levels. I think um, I have tried a level three. No, I haven't tried level three. It kind of scares me actually. Um, some of its legendary abilities, but of course the importance of the white lion is it's the first creature we meet in starting the game. Um, now. It's a bit different, the, the setup to the white line in the starting hunt is a bit James, because we've got, yeah. it's, it's not as tough, uh, it's only toughness six, which is in, in uh, given that you're rolling to wound on using D10s, that's a fairly average roll then. And it's got a, um, it's got a custom AI deck, which means it's, um, it's got less hit points. 
and in the first fight, it also means you place um, the strange hand hit location on the top of the hit location deck. Um, the importance of that is they're basically trying to show you how um, doing a critical hit is um, important with uh, your founding stones. Um, so, James, um, what's so good about taking out the strange hand straight away? So, the strange hand is a it's a location that has a, per, a persistent wound. Um, yes, and wounding that affects other AI cards in the deck. Um, I think any time the the lion has a tendency to uh, knock down survivors and carry them off, so that it can savage them on its own somewhere further away. Um, destroying the strange hand, I believe, negates its ability to drag survivors with it. Uh, pretty much, it takes that out, and that 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 also is a good um, summary of of what um, of what this of what the um, as as its kind of uh, style of of fighting. Um, it's it likes you know grabbing a survivor and dragging them away so that the next round it's going to be freely able to target that survivor if they get up. Um, if, if you take out the strange hand straight away, it, it, um, you know, if you take it out, you can spend a survival to gain a permanent point of strength. So in the very initial hunt that you do, the introductory story, um, spending that survival point to gain the extra permanent strength, I think is, is a given. You can always do it on the introduction because having someone in your party with plus one permanent strength straight away is is awesome. It makes criticals feel even more triumphant. You're not just doing a wound. You often uh, critical reactions sometimes give you more resources. They maybe let you gain stats. They maybe give you um, temporary buffs or they weaken monsters. Like there's that real feeling of yes, you know this is this is really good. I've done. I've done well, um, which is yeah. Uh, it feels very satisfying. Critting. Yeah, and and the importance also about criticals is it cancels all the um, all the reactions that happen on a hit location. So that's also kind of important if um, you know for certain hit locations, the monster can quite happily turn around and smack you one. Um, and the other, and you know, it's important to know that. While you can make your characters stronger throughout the game, it's important to always kind of also try and make them more lucky so that you can improve the, the chance of getting a critical hit. So it's normally on a 10, but if you, get, if you have more luck, you're more likely of doing it. So for every uh, permanent or, or non-permanent luck, so whether it's from an item or, or something else, your um, survivor has increased chance of, of critical, so you end up critical on a nine or more, or an eight or more, and so forth. Um, so the lion's hit locations are kind of fun. I mean, there's a few which are kind of useful, like the straining net. So I've just got the um, the, the wonderful scans that people have done with the card, so I can quite flip, easily flip through. So the straining net means you can um, you can if you're very very lucky, uh, you can kill it, you can one shot it on a critical. So that means you have to roll critical followed by a ten or more. So the likelihood of that happening is it's not high, but it's kind of nice that there are hit locations. That means you can just knock out a monster. Um, yeah. Are there any other hit locations you like, James, that you kind of think sum up the, the lion? Um, 
So, the uh, interestingly, the lion has kind of humanoid front paws with thumbs on, and some of the cards, oh. when they mention that you know it's got like the strange hands, you it's a way of telling you more about what that monster is, which is quite nice. Like it's it's a little bit of flavour. Um, mm. One of my favourite hit locations, unfortunately, is a different uh, a different encounter. So I'll leave that for the moment. Okay. Um, but the lion has a particular hit location where you can hit it in its fuzzy groin. Yes. Um, and if you crit it, you get yourself a pair of uh, of lion testes. Which <laughs> yeah. Is a very useful resource. Um, but you also gain the priority target token until the end of the encounter. Um, yeah, it it does that, and it also gets a, a plus one damage token, so you really piss it off, uh, and rightly so. Um, it's, uh, yeah, permanently gains the priority target token, that's quite interesting. I've never been lucky enough to actually get that hit location, um, and, and crit on that, um, which is... Which just shows you how lucky you are in the game. And I think also as a hit location, it, it does give a taste that Kingdom Death, while being dark and and horrific and quite um, maybe you know quite serious in some places, has also got a bit of dark humour. Yes, definitely. I think it describes it as you hitting the monster in the ding dong. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I really do like some of the weird. The weird bits and pieces. Um, we've, we've not even got onto the hunt track yet, uh, but there's some really cool events in there with some very strange bits and pieces going on. So, I mean, I think the most important hit location is the strange hand, because when you fight the lion at level two, it has um, it's one of its a one of its not AIs, but it's a tra it's a trait is that at the start of its no, it's at the end of its round, of its action, of its turning around. Mm -hmm. The lion basically extends its claws and it grabs one of the near, one of the randomly grabs a survivor that's in in direct contact with it. So, in base to base by cardinal directions because diagonals don't count, and it drags them away in a direction that is directly away from all other survivors, which when you consider the lion also at higher at level two or at level three has more movement, that's a real that's a real problem because it's it's um it's dragging the people away and also that's another attack that deals um the the level of the lion in damage. So you're basically getting hit twice. Um which ultimately sums up how you should hunt the higher ranked lions is um, if you've got the survival and you don't stay near the lion when it finishes its attack, its initial attack before it does this extra grab, or you hunt the damn thing with like things with reach, so spears, glaives, or, or bows. Um, is that how you've be basically been tackling level two lions, James? Yeah, we've um, we quite early in our settlement ended up specialising in in bows, um, which has been very useful. Uh, and then the rest of we got dash, I think, as our first um, our, oh no, other than encourage, which you get automatically, 
Dash was the first uh, first survival action we picked up. So sometimes people would use a survival just to not be in face-to-face contact with it at the end of the hmm. turn. Yeah, that's pretty much pretty much the way forward. Um, I mean, the lion also is. I mean, because it's generally not too tough. If I go to its um, showdown. Yeah, it's like a toughness eight, toughness ten. I mean, by mid game, you're quite easy to. It's quite relatively quite easy to tackle it as a creature. Um, and if you're going to stay in base base contact, it's generally because you've taken a weapon that does lots of hits, like katars. Yeah. Um, and in... yeah, it's it's a fun. It's a it's a fairly fun beast. I think it does have a habit of maybe getting a little boring, which is why you go up to the the higher difficulty levels. Um, it has some interesting resources, like if you, it's got a location that's impervious if you hit it, which is the glorious main, which gives you the shimmering main uh, resource, which is really useful for making that um, extra bit of armor. Um, and yeah, what else, uh, James, you wanted to pick out about the lion? Um, well, the lion is uh, like, it's quite a straightforward fight. Whereas when you go into the antelope, it really, mm. like the antelope is something very different. The lion is kind of straightforward. It, it's very aggressive, but you also get to play quite aggressively. Um, it's also got some some hunt events that really can give you a huge resource boost. Uh, yeah. If you happen to find lion cubs when you're out for a hunt, gaining four bonus resources from them is is great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, that's almost a full set of uh, of rawhide gear right there. Yes. The other thing I'll say about the lion is um, it's a hunt which. I wish it has the terrain in it, which comes up as standard, which I hope I always wish comes up more often in hunts against other things is it uses the um, tall grass, which is awesome because it gives you the extra bonus of plus two evasion. Though the tall grass does, I believe becomes a problem if you're dealing with level three lions because they actually hide in it. Um, Though I haven't faced them, so I can't really say much more about a level three lion. Um, so yeah, let's, um, I mean, so we've said a little bit about the hit locations. I don't think there's too much more to to say about them. They're all fairly typical things that reduce its movement or reduce its toughness or it's got a chance that we, it starts its turn and it falls over. Um, so I don't think it's got really anything that does knockbacks too much, does it? It's, it's a monster with quite a lot of moods. Mm. And mood cards, when you draw them, it's an AI card that stays in play and gives it a persistent bonus. Yes. Um, and it's quite interesting because one of the first moods that we saw in our in our campaign was this mood called ground fighting, where it falls on the ground. And if you activate an action while standing next to it, it hits everybody in the area, um, which is very dangerous uh so you end up using um i've seen people end up using uh founding stones they can guarantee a wound and then the uh the mood leaves afterwards but it's quite it's quite interesting to uh, to make you play tactically around it and if you have any ranged weapons it's ridiculously useful yeah um 
especially because the monster has no uh, it's got no super dense locations no it doesn't so you're not likely of having um you're not going to have any of your bone weapons which we'll talk about a lot later they're not going to um shatter against it and um and lose them um yeah because it has like alert which it means it makes an action the moment someone moves into its range so it has a lot of like reactive um attacks uh cunning is the one where it grabs someone which if you you know take out a strange hand it can't do that uh enraged means it just becomes um deals more damage uh golden eyes is a is a legendary trait where it gains plus one speed and plus two it's just it just becomes horrific like the very idea of fighting a level three white lion is quite um it's quite scary so if you drew that trait you just turn you're just turning a, a what is already a, a horrific monster into um into a complete beast because it's just going to deal so much damage out um and also at the higher level at level three all the hit locations we talked about which were good to go for like the the strange hand its paw or its neck um those hit locations um are removed from the deck so you can't even prevent it to do from doing those things um yeah so if, james have you've only you've only done up to levels one and two yeah only levels one and two for the lion yeah um it's just yeah, it's been. I didn't realise you actually took hit locations out. Oh yeah, level three. It has the merciless trait, and it says archive the beast paw, strange hand, and straining neck hit locations. Ugh, that's uh, yeah, yeah, that is really dangerous. Um, and I imagine at level three, that the the lion's just going to rip people to pieces. Yeah, I I don't see it as an easy fight whatsoever. Um, two two I think is just about just about right for um, you get a decent amount of resources for it. It's you know it's a tough fight, so you don't want to go in there with with rookies just wearing like a couple of pieces of hide and some like basic bone weapons. But like two is. We now don't even consider hunting a level one lion. Yeah, exactly. A level two is quite easy because I think so. Right now, in where I've because I've got all the innovations for the survival actions, okay. so it's quite easy with reach weapons to move in and surge on it and you know deal multiple attacks at range. And it's also one of the monsters which still, um, which you can you which. You can attack it in the blind spot, and there's no it's got no attacks that'll ever do anything to the blind spot so it's 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 a fairly standard monster as we keep saying it's it's really quite um a, a simple one at levels one and two. The one thing that is scary about level three is if you go hunting a level two antelope and you get the hunt event that means a lion appears and it's the it's a level higher than the creature you're hunting which means it's a level three lion. Um, that's why I've never hunted a level two antelope. Okay. Like, it's because I'm scared of a level three lion turning up. We, are, we fought, um, I think we fought a couple of level two antelopes in our campaign. 
Um, I've done a one or two, but I'm now at that point where I, I don't want to risk having him turn up and butchering some really good characters. Yeah, I think that's understandable. Like the the difference in difficulty as the levels go up is quite it's, remarkable. It's um, exponential in 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 how tough they get. So the hunt. Oh yeah, carry on. Oh, I was going to say, like when they when they uh, level up, they never get more difficult to hit. But doing extra wounds and the amount of endurance they have and the amount of damage they do, just it skyrockets really quickly. So, yeah, uh, they do become even things. I mean, when we took our first step up towards a level two lion, we thought we were going to have an easy time of it because we. We killed a level one line in a, under a couple of turns, but the level two just took a, it took us by surprise because we'd got complacent. Yeah. Um, so obviously, when you go part of Kingdom Death is um, when you um, the creature, you have to go through the uh, the actually perform the go on the hunt. So. You have to go through the hunt phase, which is where you go through the 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 track and go from each go go along the path until you you move on to the 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 track location where the monster is, is standing. So it represents you finally caught up and hunted it down. But as you go along each of the uh, track locations, you trigger events. Now, some of these are the generic. I say generic. One of the D one hundred generic hunt events in the book. Or they're the you trigger a special. Um, some of these spaces are allocated uh, hunt encounters um, from the hunt deck for that monster. So there are some favourites there, James. You already mentioned one that you like, which is um, which is if you come along the white lion cub. Yeah, the um, if you happen to find some lion cubs, you can make a choice whether you either want to butcher them all and gain some resources and then roll on a table to see what happens with the lion whether it hunts you down or whether it ambushes you um or you get to if you decide not to hunt the lion cubs then you have to roll on the random hunt table um i can't think of anyone that wouldn't kill the white lion cub on finding it because it's it's mad loop. It's it's four basic resources. Well, as long as you've got four re four survivors at that point, it's four basic resources, which is is nothing to be sniffed at in Kingdom Death. Um, no, I I can't think that any of the results for that hunt event or the downsides are particularly bad. Like I think it might move up one square towards you, which gets um, to level two white lion means you no longer have to deal with the uh, the event in the middle of the hunt board. Yeah. So if you if you kill it on a if you kill the cub on a one to three, mm -hmm. you get the mother lion appearing, and you fight that immediately. And it has the enraged trait, but you build its deck normally, even if it didn't have enraged in its deck. Um, so that gives it like a bonus damage, I think. And then if it's four to seven the uh you, you fight that what would be the male lion and that shows up in the fight begins and eight to ten nothing happens so you've got the chance you'll piss off the lion that you're hunting but as you said it means 
with with a level two, you're not having to go through overwhelming darkness um, to get there. Um, also, I mean, the the problem though is if it none of those are ambushes, which is good. If we compare, say, Sea of Golden Grass, which is you know where you the kind of the landscape in which the lion is found typically, uh, you have got the chance that either you you get lost and you have to roll again on the hunt table or you get close to the lion and you move a space closer to it immediately or in the worst case it ambushes you which um for context when you when you hunt a monster the monster get or unless it's a nemesis the monsters always get the first turn so it's the monster turn then the survivor turn and that's a, a round if it ambushes it means the monster gets to have two gets to start the, the hunt straight away or um so if it wasn't if it, i think if there's a reason for why it wouldn't be ambushing you and you ambush it um but in this case it then means that the lion gets to act twice before the survivors get their turn at the start of the game so that's pretty mean if that happens but also i think as you said i think the um the lion when you you said about when uh, one of the events is the lion's sculpture. Because did you say when you first pick, picked out that card, someone's like, oh, it's a lion sculpture. And you're like, no, it's a lion's sculpture. Yeah, something made by the lion itself. Mm. And I I like that there are, those, there are those strange little hints as to what's going on. Like the, um, the picture of the lion in the... Uh, in the King and Death rulebook itself, has it sleeping under a tree, but in the tree there's lots of tied up little trinkets of things that it's hunted. So, mm, yeah. Like, it's not just an animal going out and eating things, it's kind of hoarding stuff. Like, it takes, um, if you're defeated by a lion, if anyone has a jewellery item, it takes the jewellery items from your, um, from your gear. Yes, that's um, if it does kill your entire um, party, it yeah. takes your jewellery, which is pretty pretty nasty. As a trinket, which is kind mm. of, you know, just little little bits like that. I like the, um, yeah, you know, I'm a sucker for uh, for lore and creepy creepy monsters. Um, so, before we get on to some other bits, so. Obviously, there's a few other hunt events that are quite characterful for the lion. Um, and as I said, the, the game has a D, D100, well, a D99, you know, because it's 2D10, uh, amount of hunt events in its hunt event table. Have you got any favourites, James? Pick two that you, you kind of like? Um, kind of think of funny, I say like, I, I use like in the loosest possible way. So uh, there's there's two two which kind of um, well one of the first ones is that we uh, we got something for receiving a portcullis key. Oh wow, you got a portcullis key. Yeah, which was interesting. Like you have to add it to the settlement, and one of the character one of the uh, one of the people in our campaign was like, "Do you, do you know what this is used for? Do you know where it comes? Do you know where it you know it actually matters?" And I was like. Nope, I'm not. I'm not reading the rule book. I'm trying to to stay kind of fresh eyes on the whole thing. 
Um, but we realized, we kind of discussed it amongst ourselves. And we thought we wouldn't actually be terribly surprised if there is something that just kind of hints at an expansion or hints at like a deeper mystery, like mm. whether we use that uh, key or not. It just, uh, you know, little little odd things like that. I do, I do like them. They're just just a bit strange and weird. Um, but the the other event that has stood out to us before is Gorm Laughter. Okay. Which is another event that it does. It hints at stuff that comes in expansions because there is the Gorm expansion and it's like a terrifying, creepy anglerfish baby thing in the darkness. But Gorm Laughter means that you put a token on every square of the hunt board and every time you move into that square you take a uh, you take a brain damage. Which is only hunt event, but it could that does erode your insanity. And insanity is useful. Um, hmm. if, um, if you've taken enough though, like if these are fresh fresh little baby faced hunters going out into the darkness, that can get you killed. Uh, you can't die from hunt uh, hunt event damage, so it just means that you're going to be. Where on earth is that? Um, where is where on earth is that? Um, it's uh, it's in uh, damage. It's something to do in the hunt tape. Uh, in hunts. Um, I just know this. <laughs> like, um, because this is um, we were playing it that that you know you take. The Here we go. Event damage. Survivors may suffer damage during the hunt. This is event damage and is non-lethal. <gasps> no way. It will, still, it will still reduce armor points and insanity and cause light and heavy injuries, but will not cause severe injuries. Any damage occurred, uh, accrued on the hunt persists into the showdown on, into the showdown phase. Oh, we've, we've been playing it hardcore <laughs> then. You've been playing it hard mode. Yeah, I played it a little hard mode when I believe that uh, you you have to be careful with some of these things because so many rule moving parts in the game is like some people playing the hard mode where they think if their entire party's dead, they lose all the items that they were carrying. That is ultra hard mode. Yeah, like that would be that'd be horrendous, and you'd end up with so many fights where you're just sending naked survivors out into the darkness to fight nemesis encounters. Yes, yes. Um, that is, that would be something though that I would do. Um, <laughs> um, okay, uh, hunt events I've liked, uh, which stick out, uh, I'll go with a good one, is Test of Courage. Okay. Which is where you, um, you have a survivor with six plus courage and um, you basically see all this lava, this lava flow and a big grimacing stone face, and in its teeth is a um, is a sword. So that's how you get the adventure sword, and that's why I still have it. Uh, I I got it kind of early on in the campaign after about you know roughly about six hunts because I had someone that had about six courage. Um, I would imagine it's after about six hunts or so I got that much, and yeah, it was the most badass sword I had going at the time. Um, though I've not had really anyone get enough courage to be that badass with it again, because I've got better weapons. Um, but it is a nice item to get. Uh, and um, the going for the awful, awful ones, um, which stuck out as completely crazy and 
uh, horrible and is cancer pigeons. Oh. So they're the strange baby-faced birds that circle overhead, gripped with instinctual horror. Um, the survivors break into a run. Um, and you basically have a straggler and they'll more than likely get pecked um, to death or they'll, they'll gain at least a, um, an impairment. Uh, yeah, they're not nice. Um, so I think the impairment I got is, um, no, they're, they're not pecked to death. What they, they get is if you roll low on it, they can't gain survival. Oh. Yeah, which is horrible. Yeah, that's, oh my gosh. It's pretty, pretty nasty. Um, so that's, that's some of the joys of the hunt table. And I think it will be good to see in the future. Um, I you know, it, this is one of the great things with this, much like Mordheim or Necromunda, you know, to have a brand new hunt table just as a download would be awesome. Um, well, one of the things is the, um, I think the Spidicules expansion and the Green Knight expansion replace yeah. middle square overwhelming darkness with the forest gate because you're uh oh, the, yeah the flower yeah the flower knight does that i think yeah they will i think they are both meant to be in the same uh, environment so i think they both right it, which is um like it's kind of interesting seeing seeing a change like that because overwhelming darkness can be can be a really punishing square to yeah. to land on um it's got three different tables that you have to roll on and none of the results are particularly great mm. i think i think if you crit it then you do kind of all right but some of the downsides i think are things like you can just die yeah i think the last time i went i had to deal with it i had three of my survivors end up with all their insanity being wiped off which was not really useful because you kind of need it against some things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So we talked about hunting the lion. We talked about its hit locations and uh, how it fights. Uh, we don't want to give the game game away too much. I mean, yeah. Obviously, doing this podcast is spoiler alerts everywhere. Um, but it is just. I mean, once you've played it and enough, you know you're going to delve back into the book and try and work out how to do things better. Um, so let's have a look at... Um, we won't talk about settlement events because they the deck isn't very big. Um, it does get added to uh, as you get your expansions. about the first set of stuff you can make so when you set up your your settlement uh when you have your initial returning survivors uh they come upon the lantern horde which allows them to build basically you're going to spend your initial endeavors so long as you've got four of them hoping that all four of your starting survivors survived against the white the initial white lion hunt that you do you're going to spend three of those on creating the next three um, locations. 
settlement locations, and you're more than likely going to spend another one to do an innovation. Uh, innovations require you to spend an endeavor, bone, organ, and uh, a bit of hide. So these being resources you get from the basic resource deck. Uh, monster resources, such as the lion's tail, I think counts as a hide, and the lion's testes or its eye count as organ. So, you know, stuff can be used either in its animal specific form or in its um, generic form. And the locations we can make are what the bonesmith, the skinnery, and the organ grinder. Um, so, James, the bonesmith has is your is basically all your weapons that you can make yeah. uh, initially. Um, anything that sticks out? So, um, I found the bone darts were quite good. Um, they're just one bone, but they let you have a ranged item straight away, which is that's quite nice for the lion because it does move around a little bit and it means that you can have someone who is a little bit slower. Um, you can position yourself a bit. You can also get around ground fighting if it comes up because uh, when it collapses on the ground, it just sits there. So if you want, you can get everyone in position and then just chuck darts at it until you get your wound through. Um. Yeah, that's a pretty valid way. And um, what's the range on bone darts? It can't be very big. I think bone darts have a range of six, maybe four. Uh, maybe okay. Four. Six is um six is bows normally. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're uh, they're they're all right. They only have I think speed one, so you're not getting many attacks with them. Um, but they're. They're a useful item to even just have in a gear grid once you, if you've maybe picked up some swords and things, they were still useful to us later when we were fighting other things. Just being able to, if you're not able, or yeah, if you can't move into combat with someone, you can still get an attack in with your action. Mm. I think the, um, the bone axe is a particularly good one to make if you can early on because of um, because of savage um, being able to deal additional wounds um, if you do a critical is quite great definitely uh, our we had someone pick up two bone axes on a recent hunt and they triggered savage on something like three of the turns Jesus okay I, mean, we were, we were I guess if you've got your yeah, if you've got your luck up as well, if you've got like, if you're gaining plus two to your luck from advancements and equipment, like a luck charm, then being able to do savage attacks is uh, is quite useful. Um, um, and obviously, the the bone smith is where you can make a uh, a bone pickaxe or a bone sickle, but they require um, having innovated ammonia and the other bits so that you can actually make leather which um you know the sickle and the axe are useful as extra weapons if you need them um but they're mainly used for um mineral gathering or herb gathering so getting iron or getting acanthus root um and the skull helm is good because um it's a lot you don't of have um, it's a lot of armor yeah uh, yeah, three points of armor for 
just a couple of bones, which is that's going to be better than a lot of the stuff you're going to get for a while. But it can, uh, it's one of the few pieces of armor that can get broken. Yeah. Or b- broken easily. Yeah. I should say. Um, okay, so the next location is the Skinnery. Um, anything that stands out there as armor, James? Well, so I would probably say that like MVP of Skinnery armor is probably the Rawhide headband and the Rawhide vest. Uh, yes. <laughs> if, you have, if you have two pieces of hide to invest, that's a great way to do it because uh, the rawhide headband and the rawhide vest have uh, coloured affinity sockets on them, which enable the ability of the headband, which is that you get to uh, look at the top two cards of the monster's AI deck and put them back in an order of your choice. Uh, yeah, which which can be used in one of two ways really because one is you use it so you put so you order it so the next attack is is um going to be less violent because you you're not in a position to take that kind of injury um so you're basically pushing back down through the deck a dangerous attack or you're setting up a dangerous AI card, and you're you're top loading it because you've got someone that's able to get a good hitting and remove it off the deck. Which I would say in in the early game, that's the point where you go, well, you know something bad's coming, and you're like, I'm going to throw my founding stone to get a critical and get an auto wound and get that AI card out of the way because I don't want to have to deal with. You know, ground fighting or or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Those those two are awesome. Um, and they also very uh, interestingly, the vest itself has a rightwards facing affinity slot for uh, red affinity slot, which connects up to any of the weapons that you can build at that point, and gives you plus one point of evasion. So there's a, it does feel like there's quite a logical, rawhide headband, rawhide vest any bone weapon that's that's a reasonable set to equip someone with and get those starting points yeah and you know i would say as you get towards the um middle part of the game uh, by which point you should have innovated a, a fair bit and got your um your maximum uh survival up for your um your survival limit for your uh, Settlement up. Um, the rawhide armor, you know, really does fill you up with survival points, and and a full set of the stuff is great because it means you're really, really efficient with survival. It's not the great, it's not the strongest armor in the world, but having someone that's constantly able to use the headband and then not lose and then and not lose the survival point in activating. Uh, to do something else is really useful. Oh, I'm, so that's because of the. Uh, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, but the armor, but the armor set itself, all five pieces, gives you a specific bonus on top of the armor set. Yeah. Uh, which is additional points of armor, which is great, and an ability, which means that you have a chance of regaining survival. Um, yeah, which is, as you say, so useful. Um, it's it is a lifesaver. And in fact, our group at the moment is struggling to under 
they're struggling to realize why they would want to upgrade to a different set of armor. What other than rawhide? Yes, uh, because wow. they're, they're that sold on survival. But um... I've shown I've shown them the well. We finally built the blacksmith, and I showed them some of the uh, the blacksmith armor, the lantern armor, in fact. And they're starting to they're starting to understand that having more than two armor points would be good. I live for combine having. Um, I mean, right now, I've got. Let's think. I've got two sets of of the um, rawhide armor, uh, a set of the lion armor, a set of the, and then what was it? Two sets of the leather armor. Because I really haven't got sold on the um, the screaming fur armor. But the the point is, is that in a in a single fight, I take a combination of of those four armor sets because I'll use the person with the rawhide armor because they're generally going to be the person with the most survival to do encourage. Yeah. And the um, or to get an extra action because I need to do both, you know, to do a variety of combination of things. Or, for example, um, you know, the, the leather armor I need on someone that's going to essentially be the tank and take the damage. Um, so, yeah, you kind of have to mix and match and take advantage of things. Um, I haven't really got delved into trying mixing and matching um, different types of armor um, from different sets. Like, I think that's common in the mid game where you're kind of mixing, you're, you're making random bits and kind of needing just better armor. But I think clearly there's a com there's combinations of all of them which will allow you to unlock um, all the particular abilities you want for a single person. But that may mean you might have one hit location that is rather weak compared to the rest. Yeah, we, we had something interesting with the, uh, the lion gear itself. Um, where one of the people playing wanted to, they wanted to solve the white lion gear and figure out how can I get everything from each of the items and activate all my other affinities and my weapons. Uh, yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, which is one of the things I think is really interesting, where you have some, uh, some weapons that, or some armor sets, where they give you options, but you can't, you can't have everything. But you can do something pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, like trying to get the Zambato, for example. We that's where we had a mixed armor set, and we were using a skull helm to activate one of the uh, one of the locations. And we made um, we made something with a green face, uh, a green affinity on it, because those were quite rare at that point. Um, mm. But yeah, the uh, the gear the gear arranging feels like it is a game in and of itself. Yes. Have you made have you ever used a rawhide drum or a rawhide whip? I've not made either. I I really wanted someone to do whips in our game. Um but the rawhide whip is quite I think it's I think it's quite weak. I think it it's... has a reasonable amount of attacks but it doesn't really increase its strength at all. Um which means that you're only going to want to hunt fairly weak monsters with it. Pretty much, yeah. Um, okay, so the organ grinder uh, location. Um, 
does exactly what it says on the tin. It, it takes all the little, it uses organs or, or fresh acanthus and it makes um, useful, um, not weapons, but doohickeys. Um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're just items which uh, give you some benefits. So acanth the dried acanthus means you get, um, you can ignore a, um, a severe injury when it happens. Um, the fecal solve means you can uh, you can spend uh, act your your um, your action of your survivor so that you don't become a threat, or you can remove the priority target token. Um, that's kind of useful if you want to get someone into position to do a rear attack on someone. Um, the lucky charm is it provides luck if you unlock both of its blue affinities, which is great, and then. Perhaps the most useful one is the monster grease, um, which is where it gives you plus one evasion. And if you have three green affinities uh, unlocked, you get an extra plus one. Um, I pretty much, you know, it, it's great stuff. I think um, it, it, you, it loses its usefulness in the later game where you know, generally deal, or at least against nemesis encounters, because they, is it nemesis encounters? No. Nemesis encounters, they generally have a more less chance of hitting compared to monsters. Monsters generally seem to be hitting on two pluses. Yeah. Um, so the monster grease is quite useful against a nemesis encounter. Um, and I don't know, if you've got, if you've got a green savior, um, monster grease becomes pretty damned amazing. Because um, you're getting evasion and you're getting more armor points. Uh, yeah, you're getting evasion and armor and and everything it's just crazy though speaking of saviors um a tweet from kingdom death is that in the 1.4 update saviors are getting nerfed oh that makes me sad all of us have died horribly before they've had a chance to do anything um so you know they they have the potential to be really strong but i've never seen them ha i've never seen it happen because they all just die um, um, and then, of course, the the, ult the really useful, um, the, the quite the useful uh, item that you make at the organ grinder is monster tooth necklace, which is great because it gives you strength. And if you have the red affinities, it gives you even more strength. So on a red savior, you're pretty much guaranteed you're going to get all that bonus uh, in action. Um, and the organ grinder is also a useful location because you can do in, you can in, spend an endeavor there. And you can hopefully, hopefully, uh, trigger a intimacy uh, event, which is basically where you roll on a table to see if you get a brand new survivor for your camp, or if not, get more, or have something really unfortunate happen, like your survivors walk off into the darkness together. Um, yeah. Um, so I think that's the organ grinder. And then the last one is the... Uh, I've gone a bit too far, haven't I? I'm just looking at Bonesmith Organ Grinder. Uh, we looked at the Skinnery. Uh, let's look at the, the Katerium, because that's the next one you kind of you, you make after your first lion hunt. Your first proper lion hunt. Um, so, what's great about the Katerium, James? Katars, man. Yes. They are. Uh, the Katars are one of the first. They're a weapon that actually has an ability called Paired built into them, which means that if you have two of them in your grid and you attack with one, 
you can add the other's speed. So you're suddenly doing something like four attacks in the round, which, you know, that's that's pretty exciting. Um, but the cat, uh, the white lion armor set also gives you a bonus to attacking with guitars. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the things that really feels like it's pulling you towards a particular playstyle. Um, it lets you pounce, which increases your strength, which is great because the guitars aren't super strong. So you're suddenly leaping across the battlefield, slicing in with many attacks, and hopefully scoring a lot of hits and wounds. Yeah, pretty much. That is that's how I use um, that armor set. Um, is really with that. I mean, it does also pair well with daggers, um, but I don't really do that. Um, it's also got, from the Katerium, you've also got the lion skin cloak and the lion headdress, which are two bits of armor that don't count as armor locations. They, as armor slots, they kind of like their they're add-on bits of armor. Um, and I think one of the other great items there is the cat eye circlet. Definitely. That's um, similar to the Rawhide headband, where you get to look at the uh, AI cards. The cat eye circlet lets you look at hit locations. Which... Yeah, so you draw three and then put them back in any order you wish on the um, on the uh, on the on the monster hit location deck, which again is very useful because you can um, I would say you can push your luck for maybe half of the hit location deck and not have a trap card turn up. But also, if you you start to get worried about it, it's a very neat way of pushing the trap card down through the deck. And I've done that where you, you push it down and you're going in with someone that's only got like two attacks, but you're well, it's only got a weapon that makes two attacks at each time. But you're you're making guaranteed hits and wounds, and then again waiting for the next round, and you're pushing that hit location card back down through the deck. So you're always just grinding the hit location deck fully uh, to your advantage. Definitely. Because like the, um, um, the Kateria, yeah, sorry, as a as location, it's where you really start making some of the, uh, the stranger kind of weapons, because you've got the guitars, you've got the, uh, the bow itself, um, mm-hmm. the king spear, which is, uh, which is nice, because it's a melee weapon with range. Um, and you also get the uh, the frenzy drink, which is really um, the frenzy drink's an odd one because it makes you do something that comes from the brain damage table. Yeah, I mean, so it, it's like you you get knocked down and you take the frenzy um, the frenzy uh, severe injury which is not bad it's not really a severe injury it's more like a, a, a persistent uh battle condition um which is that you gain 1d5 insanity uh, a speed token plus one speed plus one strength token you ignore slow on melee weapons so that zambati we're talking about suddenly becomes pretty damned handy on someone with this um and you can't use fighting arts, uh, which is a shame. Yeah. And or weapons you, yeah. So 
it's um it's pretty cool um i think there's a time and place for it because you also can't spend um you can't spend survival so it's quite a useful thing uh if you've got someone that's burnt through their survival quite quickly and you need to get some more uh you know a higher kill rate out of them to um to do that is to make them frenzy yeah like it's as you say like it's a situational thing um you don't want to just go in and swig your drink and wail in on something but it, I, it is useful for maybe new survivors who don't really have any uh any weapon proficiencies or fighting arts yet mm. at that point you can kind of give them something interesting to go on um but you really are reliant on getting the very particular resource to make it as with the cat eye circlet i think there's only one cat eye in the deck so yeah you might be unlucky and not see one turn up for five or six lion hunts which is what happened to us we didn't see one for many many moons um so we just got used to playing without the cat eye circlet um, the other thing is, uh, you also have arrow types in the game. So you get the first example of that, which is the claw head arrow, which means the um, monster gets minus one evasion token uh, for the rest of the showdown, which is quite useful. Um, and with regards to the armor, what's interesting is that you've got, um, if I go through it and try and find the right bits. So, as I said, if you if you have a full set of the lion armor, um, you've got some, you've got a bonus to speed, and you've got a bonus to, you've got plus one speed and plus two strength using daggers and um, and katars. You've got the lion gauntlet that's giving you plus one accuracy if you pounce. The white lion armor set allows you to spend your movement and activation to move three squares in a straight line and then activate a melee, uh, a melee weapon with plus one strength. So all these things, you know, like if you've got that, you're now at like plus three strength on katars, which is just mental or on your dagger or, or that could be, you know, equally on any large weapon you want to activate in that way. You've got the white lion helm. I've never really used it in the way it's meant to be used. Mm. I've never made use of its special, um, its special action. Um, it's it's quite a bizarre one, but it is a nice way to, uh, if you really do need to gain some insanity, it is an option. Well, it also gives you all non-death insane survivors plus two strength until end of round. Yeah. Plus two strength is quite significant. Yeah, like it's quite a... Um, I suppose if you were doing that each round, you could get people up to insane give them strength, but because it... you because it uses up a survival to do it, it's quite uh, an expensive action. Yeah, you have to spend survival with it. That is true. It's it's not cheap. Um, and the whisker harp I've never used. Never used one of them. So that's like you can roll a d10, and it's basically you discard a mood in play on a monster. It's not. I've never had any reason to feel like making that was any use. <laughs> We've um we've built a harp for in our campaign, 
and it's particularly useful against the lion because uh, it's effective on a three plus instead of something like a seven plus. Yeah, uh, lion has quite a lot of moves in his deck, um, mm. but we still we usually find as soon as it goes into something like ground fighting, it's an opportunity for everyone to take a breather and get themselves back. Yeah, exactly. And then there's the lion skin cloak, which is the one I said that is like the lion skin, um, lion fur, uh, the lion headdress. So these are two. Um, so the lion headdress is an accessory which you can wear in addition to one armor at that hit location. So basically, it's, you get to wear two head-based armor, um, and you combine the armor points together. And the lion skin cloak is an interesting one because it's an it's an armor on the body, but you reduce the damage from every hit suffered by one to a minimum of one. Again, I've never made it. Um, I think it's mostly good early game if you in a, are in a position to make it, but I've never really made it. Like, I think that the lion skin cloak might be something useful to combine with shields. Um, possibly. Because shields give you all over damage protection. Um, whereas it does look like it's a piece of armor on the card. So it's not listed as an accessory. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's not like the white lion coat, which is, yeah. it's a strange one. I'm sure it has its uses, uh, uses, uh, with things. Um, I guess it's quite useful if you're trying to look for like a non-standard armor, um, combination because it does have a green affinity on it. Um, it depends what you're trying to build. Um, yes, yeah, so that's the stuff you make at the Katerium. I think it's quite quite a lot of good stuff at the Katerium. Like once you've made, sorry, once you've made those two um, katars, um, once you've made a set of katars, uh, you, you're pretty much rocking quite a lot of um, attacks. Uh, the only thing I've not made is the other thing I've not made is the cat fang knife. But that's again, you need a do you need an item from like a level three lion? So no. <laughs> I'm not even sure if it's a level three one. I thought you might have to have gone for legendary, but it, it might just it might just be level three. Um, yeah. So is there anything else you want to chat about, James? We talked about uh, hunting the lion. We talked about some hunt events from the lion. We looked at some favourites. We looked at hunt uh, settlement locations and some of the stuff to make. Um, what else is there to say? Um... Well, in a in a slightly related note, I've recently had uh, all my expansions arrive at my house here, so I've spent some time doing some wonderful crafting and gluing them all together and putting them into models, um, and also having a chance to look through all the cards. And I am so excited to get a chance to play. I really want to play a new campaign so that I can put some monsters in it. Yes. I mean, there are rules in each of the campaign, in, in the expansion on how to add them to your campaign. Because some of them replace 
certain things. So like um, Slenderman, who I got in the post, um, he replaces armored strangers. So you, so he replaces the Kingsman, which sounds like fun to me because I'm sick of fighting the Kingsman. Um, uh, so I might ha- add him to uh, add him into uh, my uh, Dragon King uh, campaign that I'll play. Um, so basically, with events, they, with the expansion, they tell you where to add in the event where that triggers that monster, or it's something like they say just add it to the next hunt, uh, the next uh, calendar year, add it the to lantern the next year. year. Or this specific year, whichever one happens next. Yeah, um, it's good. You know, you get a little bit of an intro into each of them, so it's more than just, oh yeah, by the way, here's another thing. Yes, and yes. The the intro for the Dragon King expansion, for example, the dragon itself is quite quite cool. I was quite it's awesome. It. It's awesome. I got you know, acid palms as an awesome awesome fighting uh, well it's not a fighting art it's just an ability um just you know a guy with um just using his hands and gaining uh an extra d10 to um trying to wound is is awesome and i have used it <laughs> it's because it was useful to alternate between katars and using that so he could do more or less attacks in a turn oh that's kind yeah, because I didn't want to trigger a trap, and I knew it was coming up because of the cat eye. So I was like, I just need to punch him to death now. Um, <laughs> and it was the same guy, so it was just like, yeah, I'm not going to use the guitars now. And he literally, you know, the he did the last two hits just by punching the lion to death with his acid palms. Um, so, yeah, I'm keen on. He's kind of fun. Um, but the dragon king is cool. I am looking forward to fighting a level one dragon. It'll mostly be a It'll be interesting because I because I won't get to fight a dragon um, as part of the Dragon King campaign. You don't hunt them. Yeah. You get to kill it at the end if you make it to the end, but you don't get to hunt them. So, having Slenderman as a different nemesis and ordering um, ordering um, st- still Omen and Aring, um either the Dung Beetle Knight or or the Flower Knight as another quarry um, is would be good for that campaign. Yeah, I think I think the the Flower Knight, I mean it's a lovely model. There's some interesting gear on the sprue that you get with it, but there's not really there's not an armor set for it. It's quite a small yeah. um the gear that you can get is quite a small expansion. It introduces tactics which are available in a couple of the other expansions as well, um, which are quite interesting. You can get them from uh, defeating knights and making a badge, but um, yeah, like I think, I mean, I I really like the dung beetle knight mini as well. I think it's it's had a lot of care and attention put on it. Um, hmm. They're both oh, they're all lovely minis, apart from Spidicules, because hmm. I've I've got him just sitting on my uh, on my shelf. The strangest thing with spidicules I've found is that because it's not mounted to a base, the legs just quiver gently any time you move it or pick it up. Oh, great! And it just like it just slowly shivers as you're moving it around, and I think that is quite a disturbing. 
for anyone who doesn't like spiders, it's pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I quite like spiders, and even I find him a little bit of a creep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm, oh, I'm very excited. To, some of the, uh, one of the interesting expansions, Lion Knight, even has uh, combined gear sets. Yeah, they look kind of interesting. Yeah, I've, I've glued some models together for them. Because um, I wanted to make sure that I got specific um, specific parts for those armor sets, and I think one or two of them I would probably use. The other one I wasn't so sure about. Uh, mm. There's one which exemplifies. Uh, oh no, sorry. There's one that um, gives you skills when fighting with tooth and claw. Oh, okay. And I was thinking. I still can't. I can't quite figure out why I would want to fight with tooth and claw. But if you've got your acid palms, right, oh yeah, <laughs> like, that might actually be pretty good. And um, if you've got acid palms, and oh, if you if you really want to game the system, <laughs> if you really want to game the events, if you did acid palms, and then did had that armor set, and then did a frenzy drink. Oh. So you're now on like what? What's that armor set give you with, with tooth and claw? Does it give you plus one speed and plus one strength? Um, I uh, I can refer to my uh, my cards here. So that is the uh, brawler armor. So it includes a skull helm, and if you've got the armor set, it means your skull helm can't be destroyed, which is a good thing. Very handy. Um, Plus two accuracy when attacking with fist and tooth. That's good, because that means you're now hitting on sixes. And if you're knocked down, you gain a strength token. Oh, wow. That's actually, that's a pretty good payoff. Yeah. And if you take the, if you're knocked down, oh, right. So if you then had a frenzy potion to knock yourself down, you, you gain a strength. strength. And then you've got another plus two strength from frenzying and plus one speed. So... That would be um, with, that would be quite strong. So you're already on like a plus three strength, and then combine with that, uh, what is it? Tooth and claw is savage, so that they, or if you do a critical, combine that with acid palms with an extra d10 on wounding, plus whatever other you know bonuses you've got on your character for strength bonuses. Yeah, that's a pretty cool armor set. I like it. I need, uh, yeah, I need my own copy of, of uh, those cards and everything. But that's um, that's that's really that's quite sweet. The model, uh, like the combos for them, actually look quite cool as well. Like I've got my, he looks a little bit like a wrestler because he's wearing a skull helmet and he's got a lion cloak on. Mm -hmm. uh, but then there's also like the warlord gear, which I think makes axes better. And the dancer gear that lets you move after attacking. Oh wow! Okay. Um, which is really nice. Um, yeah, I'm. I kind of want to be able to experiment a little bit more with the equipment that I've got in Kingdom Death. Mm. I do find that because because any investment of resources is quite a conscious and deliberated thing getting to a stage where you go, 
I really want to try a screaming fur armor set with a spear or something. Mm. You have to, you know, you're investing quite a few hunts in doing that. You're investing quite a few resources to get to that stage. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is the thing with the specializations as well, where you specialize in weapons. So my settlement are uh, obtained sword mastery. So everyone's always now got sword specialist, if um, uh, by default, uh, because you get the specialism for the entire camp. Then, um, and you know everything is sword, sword, sword for me, um, which is good because like I've been lucky enough in playing through when I killed the uh, Kingsman, I got a, a steel sword out of him. So that's a weapon that's sharp. So again, it's like it's a high strength weapon. It's like strength six, and it gets plus d10 on wounding. Um, and what else is going on in my? Because like, yeah, swords are good, but I would say I'm also kind of like I've got quite a lot of spears and katar specialists, and well, not, and that's been because I use the the family innovation to make sure I, you know, cultivate that um that specialization so that if, if the more experienced hunter dies then i'm not losing their um their experience essentially yeah so that's really useful um of course i'm i've got well because i'm into the, like i said i've got like what two more hunts than the dragon king um so i am desperately trying to train up my twilight knight um to his level six um, uh, proficiency. Uh, I can't actually take him out on another hunt because I realize that if I'm too good on rolling um, proficiency uh, when he faces the, the Twilight Knight on Lantern Year 24, yes, I've got the Twilight Knight returning to test him. Uh, he could hit eight and that means he, um, he disappears. And I'm like, no, I need my Twilight Sword for the Watcher. I need to keep him, so he can't go out on a, on an extra hunt yet. Um, but I was lucky with him because I lucked out with the records innovation because I was like, well, I can't take him out on another hunt because he'll retire. What do I do? And I was like, okay, fine, let's take him to the records. Hunt XP to zero, so he's now able to go out. This is the other thing. If I'm able to take him out one more hunt to get his proficiency up. But it also means it gives him another age milestone. It gives him the 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 age two, the 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 two hunt XP age milestone, which is the first age milestone you get. So I'm hoping I luck out on that as well and get like, you know, plus one luck or something stupid. Um, yeah, but the game really does throw you some weird, you know, some terrible stuff can happen where you just like have your favorite survivor just gets murdered or you get weird stuff where so a survivor's now looking like he's going to be the one that kills the watcher so it's a bit strange yeah. oh my goodness i'm yes i'm quite excited to to get to that stage of my campaign but i'm also very keen to get onto my next one already yeah, I'm. Yeah, I think this is the thing. I think once you've really kind of, I think for us, have have got through uh, a fair amount of the game. 
wanting to get onto that next campaign is exciting because you you've already learned so much from the first vanilla playthrough that you want to take advantage of that knowledge now like you've had all the really had all the surprises and now it's about you really want to make the best settlement going um so are you wanting to play on your next playthroughs you'll plan to do um oh god there's different different types of campaigns you could play because you've got your flower knight so you could do a campaign uh what is it people of the bloom yeah we've got the sun stalker which is the people of the sun or you've got in kingdom death itself you can do people of people of the uh, people of bone yeah, people of the um, skull, that's the one they have a really nice ability. Uh, they have a skull eating ritual where you can nominate four people mm. to, I think, gain plus one to a stat of your choice. Wow. So you can just go, sure, everyone's going to have crits. Everyone's going to have so <laughs> much luck, it's going to be ridiculous. Or speed, just increasing someone's base speed. Um, mm. But I, I feel like I really want to do a campaign with all of the knights in it. Okay, yeah. Because the uh, the flower knight is meant to be, I think, an early game quarry. So the first, like, I think, Lantanier is like three to six. It's probably about right. And then the dung beetle, I think, is something like five to five to twelve or something. Um, and the lion knight is a nemesis encounter. So that would be quite a nice. I think it it feels kind of thematic. Um, I think the Lion Knight and the Flower Knight are meant to be painted in a kind of sympathetic light as quarries. Mm. Um, and I mean, the Dung Beetle Knight is a little bit strange because it's it's actually meant to be more of a bug that just looks like a human or like a person rather than a person dressed up as a Dung Beetle. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, well, my next campaign is definitely going to be, uh, the Dragon King. So introducing it as a, as a quarry for the single hunt that I'm going to get to do is, um, really just a prelude so I can see what its deck is like before I have to work my way through and, um, face down the final form of the Dragon King, um, and uh, let's think. I've got like the the people of the stars, which are the you know the non multi part survivors that you get on the Dragon King sprue. So I've got them oh, yeah. almost finished painted. I need to finish them off at some point this week. Um, and yeah, having another quarry would be good to just diversify the Dragon King um, playthrough because obviously I won't have I won't be able to hunt the dragon. But adding in, yeah, adding Slenderman should be fun. He's got some, he's a di very different nemesis. He's all about teleportation from what I've read. And uh, he's got some cool items. Yeah, he does have some interesting looking stuff on the sprue. Mm. I did read something that the, um, the Dragon King, if you fail a nemesis encounter, is so upset with your, uh, your performance that he just destroys the whole settlement? Um, yeah, well, the thing is, is that 
he the campaign calendar uh, for the Dragon King has many of the standard nemesis encounters replaced okay. with fighting the tyrant, which is the Dragon King in his human form. Ah, right. Okay. So that's the one where he gets pissed off and destroys everything. So yeah, you know, I'm going to have to go after like the butcher on some of the other ones and and possibly, uh, you know, and try and go after Slenderman and uh, the Hand. Uh, but m- the majority of my nemesis encounters are going to be the Tyrant. So, you know, the game is diversified in that fact that technically when you get the Dragon King expansion and you play a Dragon King campaign, you've got a brand new nemesis and you've got a final endgame, a different endgame boss to the Watcher. So it really is a full, you know, a full kit that re- really changes the game. Definitely. And in a similar way, I'm quite excited with the, um, the Sunstalker as well, because the the changes you get for that as an expansion, it does some really some really interesting things. Yeah, I really like the, the survivors you get for that as well. The, the people of the sun, they look quite Japanese in their clothing. Yeah. The um, I glued up the uh, the sun and the uh, the other guy. Um, I can't remember uh, the name of the model, but they um, they do look really good. I've got I've got much too many models though for uh, for what I need. It feels like. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm kind of rolling around some ideas for a skirmish rule set, so that I can. Uh, I can make up a war band or a small hunting party and set them against another one. Yeah, I wonder how you would do that. I mean, I'm um... I'm thinking basically uh, figuring out how rare some of the resources are and using that to kind of figure out a point system for what gear costs, or maybe maybe you buy individual resources out of a points balance and you use those to make gear um and then you can yeah it's it's early days at the moment but i've been rolling around some uh, some thoughts and what kind of things you would want to uh cost up mm. because a lot of the settlement development does have in-game effects mm. so do you want to just ignore that do you uh you try and simulate it in some way. Ideally, you'd have something that you could just turn up and go, this is my list. So long as yours is a similar points value, it works. Like you don't yeah. have anything that you have to like roll up a settlement just to make a, um, a group. Yeah. Um, hmm. I think that's it for now. I think for this podcast, we've already recorded a fair amount. Um, a good amount. Um, next one, we're mostly going to have to talk about the scream. The, 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 uh, we'll talk about the screaming antelope, and I guess it would make sense if we talk about um, the first nemesis encounter, which is the butcher. Oh no. Hmm. Uh, and hopefully, by that point, I will have uh, finished my own campaign and started the Dragon King campaign. So. Um, 
I can give a little insight into how different that is from a standard playthrough. Um, so uh, I think that's it. Uh, if people want to get in contact with us, um, we have the Facebook page, which is Darker Days Radio. We have Twitter, which is at Darker Days Radio. We have the Google Plus community. We have, uh, you can contact us on Gmail, uh, by email, uh, darkerdaysradio at gmail.com. Uh, we have our blog, which has got everything of my playthrough of Kingdom Death written up. Um, and we'll have more about the painted miniatures and is where we will have everything about uh, the UK Games Expo, where we've done a bit of blogging already about things we're excited to look at at the event. Uh, is there anything else, James? No, I think we've covered all of the, uh, all the Kingdom stuff I had on my mind today. Yeah, so um yeah that's it. So thank you for listening and uh, yeah good hunting. Mm-hmm.